Life Management Science Labs would like to acknowledge that we live and produce this podcast on the traditional lands of the Wurundjeri people. We'd also like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the lands of our listeners and our international colleagues. We'd like to thank and pay our respects to their elders, past, present and emerging. Hello everyone and welcome to Work in Progress, the personal productivity science insights podcast produced by LMSL, the Life Management Science Labs. We are champions of life management science, providing structured insights informed by science and inspired by practice on key aspects of conscious living. Each week we bring you scientific and practical insights on each element with expert knowledge of professionals in the field. I'm your host Joanna, let's get started. Hi everyone and welcome back. I'm your host Joanna and today I'm joined by Rachel Cronin and Rachel is a lecturer in the Department of Psychology and Counselling at La Trobe University who has recently completed a PhD in mindfulness and today we're going to be exploring stress management and just giving you guys some tips that could help improve your productivity. So let's get started. Hi Rachel, thank you so much for joining us today. Hi, thank you for having me. So great to have you here and here in the studio as well. Um, so before we get started, did you just want to introduce yourself and just a bit about who you are and what you're doing here today? Yep. So as you said, my name is Rachel. I'm a lecturer in um, psychology. So I completed my PhD in 2020 and I looked at uh, workplace stress specifically. So stress physiology and how we can cope with that, looking at uh, mindfulness interventions and what's called trait mindfulness. So that's just our level of awareness that we sort of carry with us in our day-to-day life and how that relates to stress. Uh, Since then, I've been doing more research in the academic space, so looking at university students, and I'm really passionate about finding really easy and um, effective strategies that we can use in our day-to-day life to help us be the best versions of ourselves, I guess. So I really am interested in what makes people thrive and how we can enhance well-being, so... That's a lot of where my research is going at the moment. Yeah, beautiful. I think we definitely need more like easier strategies to deal with stress as well, because a lot of what we see, there are like these complex things you can do. Like we were talking before, you know, like sitting around for an hour trying to meditate, like those just don't really work, especially for busy people. So it's great that we're going to be talking about that. Mm -hmm. Um, So what made you want to dedicate yourself to researching stress and basing your PhD thesis on this? Oh, that's a really good question. I've actually done a lot. So I'm Really, I really like all aspects of psychology and I found it really difficult to sort of pinpoint what what I actually wanted to look at. So I think when I was looking at my PhD, I had a really great supervisor, so that definitely helped and that was his area of research. And I find, I found since doing that, that stress is just, has such a big impact on all domains of our life. Like we can't escape it. We know that it um, has a huge relationship with mental health and how, and mental illness, whether people Uh, start to present with symptoms of mental illness like it's in every domain so I find that really interesting and I think it's something that's very core to people so if we can find effective ways to minimize it or manage it um, we can set people up again to have those really productive and happy lives hopefully yeah Yeah, beautiful that's really great um Now, we're just going to get into some more questions. Um, We call these like our guest questions. Mm -hmm. Um, So we're just going to ask you a bit more um, things that are like more personal to you that aren't really related to the topic so we can get to know you a bit better. Um, I'd love to start off with asking you whether you have a favourite book or if you're a book person at all. I was a book person. (laughs) I still am a little bit. Um, I actually don't have a favourite book, I don't think. I think I go between um, sort of like more self-help kind of books like I really like audio books so I've listened to the resilience project is a really good one um can't hurt me by David Goggins is a really good audio book and then I really like just for fun reading um the Alex Cross novels which is like a crime novel yeah yeah. I love crime I'll have to give that a go James Patterson is the author of that one he's really good okay he sounds familiar yeah done anything that people would know uh, they turned one of the Alex Cross novels, a couple of them, into movies. Oh, so, yeah, okay. It could I be think, that. Yeah, yeah, I think that sounds very familiar. Yeah. Um, speaking of movies, do you have any movies that you like, could recommend? Oh, so many. I love movies. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm definitely a Disney person, so that's what I do oh, in my free beautiful. time. If I've got to choose a movie. It's Yeah, it's that. I'm trying to think if we've watched any good ones recently. I have, actually, yeah. Yeah, um, I can't even think of anything good I've recently watched. No. Couldn't even give you a recommendation. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I love movies as well. Um, one of my other jobs is at a cinema, so oh, nice. I can totally relate to yeah. loving movies. Um, and speaking 
of podcasts. We're on one. Yes. <laughs> is there um, one you listen to? I know you mentioned audiobooks. Do you yeah. listen to podcasts at all? I do, yes, but really true crime podcasts a lot. Yeah. 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 So my yeah. favourite one is Morbid. Um, it's a really good one. They're really like... They go over true crime stories, obviously, but they're quite lighthearted in it and pretty funny girls that do it. So, yeah, yeah, it's really interesting. That's really great. I listen to a true crime podcast called Red Handed. I'm oh, not yeah. sure if you've heard of it. I haven't heard of that one. I'll have to add it to it's my list. It's very good. Yeah. It's done by um, two British women and yeah. they're pretty funny as well. Yeah. So, um, yeah. What was your one called again? I'll have to give that a go. Yeah, it's called Morbid. Morbid. Okay. Yeah, morbid I'll podcast. remember that one. Yeah. yeah. Um, beautiful. And... Famous role model, doesn't have to be famous, could just be anyone you look up to. Yeah, I don't really have a famous one, I don't think. And I don't know that I, uh, after we were talking about that before, I don't know whether I have a specific person. I think I try to um, emulate people's strengths in my life. So I have two sisters, I'm very close to my cousin um, and my mum and stuff, and I just try and look at, yeah, their strengths and try and encapsulate that as well. Yeah, that's really great. I feel like having a famous role model is really hard because you're like, this is the one person I look up to. But it's great to be able to take little things from people that inspire you in your life. So that's really great. And lastly, I'd just like to ask you about a course you've completed. I know with what you do, obviously (laughs) what you've done um, inspires you and you've learned a lot from that. But is there like a course in particular that you've loved that, um, yeah... It's funny, like when I completed my bachelor, like I enjoyed it while I was doing it, but now that I teach into the same one, so I went to, I completed my degrees at La Trobe as well. So I'm yeah. teaching the content that I learnt and I've really re-fallen in love with a lot of that. Um, I'm also really passionate about teaching undergraduate students. So I've just completed um, a graduate certificate in higher education, which was really interesting oh. to learn about how we can, um, I guess, teach people better. So yeah, you know, we come into this as experts in our field, but not necessarily good teachers. So I'm trying to, to yeah, take some of that that I've learned and apply it to my teaching. Yeah, wow, that's really great. Um, and I think we've set ourselves up nicely to get into some more deeper questions um, yep. now that we've gotten to know you a bit better. So I've already mentioned today we're talking about stress management, but we are on a podcast about personal productivity. So <laughs> I would love to start off by asking you uh, how you personally define um, productivity based on your experiences. Yes, so it's a really good question, I think. And I think um, I think it really relates to accomplishment and goals for me. So I think it's about setting really clear goals Um, And then getting that sense of accomplishment when you achieve them. But for me, productivity, I feel like is a day-to-day thing rather than an overarching thing. So I almost weigh it up at the end of the day to weigh out whether we've had a productive day that day, if that makes sense. So, yeah, whether we've taken those little steps towards our end goals and what we're trying to achieve. Yeah, beautiful. And do you think there's anything people get wrong when it comes to, like, productivity and what it means? Yeah, um... I think what we tend to do is actually overload ourselves. So I think we put a lot of pressure on ourselves to be productive and we do that at the expense potentially of our rest and our recovery, which is really important. So I feel like, you know, you might have a big week at work and then on a sad day you're like, yeah, I'm going to be really productive this weekend. I'm going to do all the washing and I'm going to clean the house and do all of these things. And then it gets to sad day maybe you've slept in and you spend some time, you know, reading or on your phone even and just relaxing on the couch. And then by the end of the day, you're like, oh, what a waste of a day. I didn't do anything productive. But I think sometimes what is productive is resting when our body needs it. It's when our, our um, yeah, it's screaming to us that we need that downtime. So actually factoring that in and acknowledging that that is productive. Yeah. Yeah. And then I think the other thing we tend to do is um, overlook our accomplishments and what we've achieved in a day. I think humans are definitely wired towards the negative and um, this is especially true for people with depression, but I think for the general population as well, when something good happens, we tend to downplay our role in that. So it's sort of like, yeah, well, I achieved that, but it was a lot of luck or, you know, it was just good timing. Um, So I think what we can do in terms of making us aware of our own productivity and what we've achieved is actually focus on the input that we've had in that and the control that we've had in that and the work that we put into that rather than downplaying it. Yeah, definitely. And like that pressure to kind of complete all these things that you've set out to do and then like by the end of it, if you haven't done that, that would cause stress, I imagine. Yeah. yeah. So how would you define stress and stress management? 
Yep. So, yeah, it definitely does. <laughs> yeah. The, you know, the, the to-do list and I think the rule is three. You should have three things that you want to get done a day and any more than that it's probably too much. Yeah. Um, but in terms of defining stress, I really like the transactional model of stress. So essentially when we're put into a situation, we sort of think about what we bring to the table in terms of our own resources and also the environment that we're in, the situation that we're in, and appraise whether it's something that could cause us threat or harm. And that's not in a physical sense necessarily, but it can be things like, you know, could it potentially harm or threaten our self-esteem or our self-image or, um, you know, does not meeting a deadline mean that we're going to look bad um, by other people? And then from there, we weigh up whether we have the coping mechanisms to deal with it. So do we have the resources to deal with that? Um, and again, that can be our own personal things. So are you pretty resilient? Are you um, good with time management? <laughs> are you mindful? Um, but also other environmental factors, like do you have enough support around this? Do you have the resources in terms of it's in the workplace? Do you have the policies and the procedures in place to help you? Do you have social support in terms of co-workers or even outside of that to support you through this? If everything is sort of aligned, like, yeah, it might be um, threaten me in some way, but I have all of these coping skills and these resources to back me, we typically view that as a challenge rather than a stressor. If we don't have those coping resources, though, we think it's going to um, outweigh those. That's where we uh, determine that it's a stressor and that's where our body will react physiologically to that. Yeah. Yeah, and we have that stress response. So in terms of stress management, I think we can come at that from a few different ways, whether we increase the coping end or we increase our um, personal resources to deal with it. Or the third option would be to actually decrease uh, the demands that be being put on us. So is there a way that we can limit the amount of projects we're taking on? Is there a way that we can put in some boundaries around the things that are causing us stress? Yeah. And you mentioned there's like a lot of awareness towards doing this. Like you have to be aware of what you need to improve on. You have mm -hmm. to be aware of like what you need to work on personally. And that in itself requires like a lot of like work. Yeah. Um, how would you go about um, doing that? Like developing that awareness to see what you need to work on as an individual? Yeah, absolutely. I think when we're initially presented with a stressful situation, it actually happens quite quickly and we might not necessarily be aware of it. I feel like people do get into very stressful situations and you're really bogged down in it before you realize like, hey, this is not good. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, not yeah. feeling good. Um, but absolutely, it takes a lot of self-awareness. And I think that's just about probably where things like mindfulness and gratitude and that kind of um, positive psych stuff comes in because it it is a skill and it takes development and it's a learning process. And I think, um, yeah, if you just keep engaging with it when you can in downtimes when you're not stressed as well, just being um, reflective, I guess. And that's I like mindfulness for that because it's about having a sense of openness and curiosity and this lack of judgment. So if you can sort of look back at your week or whatever had happened and think about, okay, that didn't go the way I planned. I was very stressed out. What was going on for me? What was I potentially lacking? Is there something I can work on in that in that regard? Yeah, for yeah. sure. And like out of curiosity, when you do find yourself in situations where you're getting into a stressful moment, um, mm -hmm. how would you say mindfulness can be implemented to sort of help that? Because I know I've found myself in situations where I feel myself getting stressed, but I won't actually realize I'm properly stressed I'm, until I'm in the middle of it. And I'm like, yeah. there's no way out of this. Like, I don't yeah. know what to do. So how would you go about that? I've actually been doing this recently. I'm, I really like grounding techniques at the moment. So um, for me, when I'm very stressed out, I'm very quite physiological. My heartbeat is going really fast and I'm very cognitive. So I get very distracted by my thoughts and I have racing thoughts and stuff like that. Mm. So a, a really simple grounding technique is actually just to look around your environment and find three things of the same color. And you Ooh. do that three times. So three red things, three blue things, three green things. And then you should think about three things that are cozy to you, whatever that means, with blankets, family, whatever, and then take three nice big deep breaths. And um, that can help you get grounded back into the moment and sort of 
I say sort of describe it as getting back into your body, especially if you're someone that's very cognitive and gets lost in your thoughts. It just brings you back into your body so that you can then strategize and use some of those other resources that you have available to you to meet the task or the demand that you're facing. Yeah, wow, that's such a great technique. How yeah. did you come like come up with that, find it? Um, oh, yeah, it's definitely not mine. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, I actually saw it on social media and then looked into it. Yeah, so um, there's a girl I follow. She's a... A neuroscientist, so she does um, lots of hypnotherapy stuff and um, cognitive science stuff. So yeah, she yeah, I saw her do it, and I was like, that sounds like something that's really effective. Because I, as we said before, getting into mindfulness meditation practices are really great. But if you're time poor and you've got a lot of demands on you, you don't want to carve out, or sometimes you can't carve out thirty to an, minutes to an hour to actually do the task. So this is a really quick one that takes less than you know twenty seconds to get you back and regulated. Yeah, that's great because sometimes I'm like a big planner and sometimes I feel like I dedicate time to doing Mm -hmm. these things and then, like you said, sometimes you just don't get around to doing the things you said you'll do today to be productive and then that time I've allocated to being mindfulness, like Mm -hmm. I don't actually get to do that. So this is like a really great strategy that a lot of people can use. Um, And what does it like do for your mind when you're like thinking of, you know, three things of the same colour and thinking of things that you find cosy, all those things? Yeah, I think that what that does is it brings again it brings your awareness back to the moment so stress and anxiety especially is very future focused and about you know what's going to go wrong in the future so if you can come back to um to where we are now and start thinking about the present moment I think it just helps keep things in perspective and we know that it definitely has an impact the deep breathing and that kind of thing in that awareness um starts to reduce your physiological reaction to stress which is really important so it will start reducing um your cortisol and alpha amylase which is like a, a st- another stress hormone sort of like adrenaline and things like that um so yeah i guess it gives you the space to start regulating yourself again and then you can conquer what you need to and actually focus on what you're trying to get done yeah yeah great and um moving on to our next question do you think that stress is necessarily a bad thing I know we've just talked what we've talked about kind of (laughs) indicates that it is bad but what do you think about that I don't think it's always bad so um there's a research called Hans Sali if I'm saying his name right and he uh is like sort of is the father of stress research and stuff. And he had a really good saying, let me think of it. It's um, stress is three minutes of chaos and then either you're, it's done with or you're done with. And he was speaking about acute stress and why it was sort of, it's evolutionarily very good. So in other mammals, when they're stressed, it's a survival mechanism and it should be done within three minutes. So you should be either out of that situation and safe or if you're a mammal and you're running away from a lion or something, maybe they caught you. But it should be over in those three minutes. What's happening to us as humans in this kind of society is we're constantly activating that stress response when it's not meant to be designed for that long-term activation. And that sort of happens in terms of we have bigger stresses that are chronic and long-term or we have little daily stresses that eat away at us so you know just on the drive in maybe you've had a bad drive on the way in then you've got emails that have got caused your um, body to react then you've got a big project that you have to get done and it's just constantly reactivating it and the other thing that happens is we actually ruminate on what's happened so if you've had you know maybe a road rage incident on the way to work not many people stop thinking about that. They'll get to work and they'll think yeah. about it again. At the end of the day, they think about it again. And that can reactivate our stress response. So I think in small doses, absolutely, it's really good. We need it. It's a part of um, our biology and we definitely need it. and can be really helpful. It, get, it helps us get things done. You need a little bit of it to you know, meet challenges and things like that. But in excess is where we see it becoming a problem. Um, so I noticed a bit of a pattern between like, distinguishing short-term stresses and long-term stresses so short-term being like the ones for example that last like three minutes like you think about it it's over and then there's the ones that build up and like you keep thinking about them how do you go about like coping with that especially like those long-term stresses the ones that you keep thinking about that keep bothering you I think that's where rest is really important so and things like self-care all the things we know we should be doing but we don't often do them, especially when we're very stressed out. So I think trying to build in structures and systems that allow you to have proper, meaningful rest. So I think this is something, um, this is an area I'm just starting to sort of look into, but I feel like sometimes what we can do is we'll get home from work and we'll scroll on our phones and we think that that's rest or we scroll on our phones to 
to avoid doing work. And we think this is okay because I'm not procrastinating. I need the rest. Mm. But often in those times, it's actually not beneficial. So I think finding things that are actually going to give your body and brain the um, recovery that it needs is really important to switch off and re, um, regulate everything because our body likes to be in homeostasis. So it doesn't mind having these big peaks of stress, but it needs to come back to to baseline a lot. So yeah. we can try and um, help it do that by doing things like self-care. So that could be things like uh, journaling or gratitude or mindfulness again. <laughs> yeah. can come up a lot. <laughs> mindfulness, but things like walking and spending time with your friends and family and things that actually are sort of like good for your body and good for your soul, I think is um, one way to counteract that. Yeah, that's really great. And I think a lot of us are aware that we need to do these things. I think yeah. it's just about implementing them and having yeah. a bit of discipline to actually integrate them into your daily life. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I want to ask if there is like a difference between good and bad stress. I think so. Yeah, yeah. So I think um, I feel like that comes back down to our appraisal. So if it's if you're appraising something as a challenge, that is good for us because it's about learning and um, becoming better or learning a new skill. Uh, so I think that can be really beneficial. I think when it's not helpful is if it's actually impacting on our well-being or our health. And I think that's probably the difference in our emotion and our emotional health as well. I feel like that's probably how you can identify it. If after you've being stressed out or doing a task, are you feeling, you know, exhausted and depleted? Are you emotionally drained? Have you had a lot of negative emotions in that um, space or were you quite productive and did you um, feel engaged in the work in a way that was meaningful to you and beneficial to you? Yeah. And if people find themselves having ones that affect them, like mental health, um, like moments of stress that affect their mental health, how should they go about dealing with that and knowing what to do and knowing how to identify that especially? Yeah, that's a really good question. A complicated one, I feel yeah. like. Yeah. Um, oh, okay. I guess there's different strategies. I feel like with stress management, it's not like a one-size-fits-all thing. It's going to depend on the situation and the person and what works for them. Um, so if you're very, very distressed over something, I think that, and I know it's hard in this environment at the moment with um, mental health, but engaging a professional is really beneficial. I feel like some people feel like psychologists and counsellors are for people who, you know, have a diagnosable mental illness, but they actually can be very helpful for people that are just experiencing a really stressful period of their life and they just need that extra support. Yeah. I think um, being able to bounce ideas off and talk through things can be really sort of um, therapeutic on its own. So that can be helpful. I really like journaling for this as well. I feel like people um, on that ruminating and reactivating your stress response because you keep thinking about a thing. Our brain's really good at remembering stuff and keeping things on an open loop. That one way to get around that <laughs> is to actually write stuff down. Um, so if you journal down your thoughts, journal it all out, um, read it back even, but even if you don't want to, you can just throw it away, but get everything down on paper. And what that can help our brain do is tell it that that job is done. Yeah. So we don't need to keep thinking about that brain. We've got it on paper. It's okay. I'm not going to forget it. So you don't have to keep reminding me of it. Yeah, that's really great. I think it's great that people have things that they can turn to and yeah. things that will work for them. And especially like with things like stress, not everything fits like one person's way of yeah. doing things. So um, being able to build up like a little repertoire of what you can sort of yeah. go fall back on is mm -hmm. really useful. Yeah. Um, and just linking back to productivity, which is what we're focusing on today as well. How does stress management sort of influence personal productivity? Yeah. So I think they sort of go hand in hand don't they because I feel mm. like if you're too stressed you're not going to be productive I think sometimes when we're very stressed we can feel like we're being productive when we're actually not like we do a lot of little tasks maybe this is just me but like I'll yeah. do a lot of you know get my inbox clean and I'll do like yeah, yeah. lots of little things um so I think if we can manage our stress well it, it allows us to be productive and to engage in tasks that are meaningful to us and are goal-oriented and um, align with our values as well. And then on the flip side of that, I feel like if you're being productive and, um, again, have structured your life in a way that you can line up your values with the work that you're doing, you're going to be less stressed because you will likely get a lot of sense of satisfaction from that and potentially a lot of the tasks that you're completing, you'll view as a challenge rather than a threat. Yeah. Yeah. 
For sure. I feel like I personally do a lot of the, I'll do the little things, like I'll do like cleaning my inbox or like replying to an email and I'll try and feel satisfied from doing that. But there's actually bigger sort of things that could help me feel a lot better um, if I actually take the time to do them and feel more accomplished by doing those. Um, And people have their own approaches to managing um, and approaching stress but they might have like a good understanding of like its management. So based on that, what are some like misconceptions regarding like handling stress and like the different stresses that we've talked about? Yeah. Um, so I think, I think there's a couple of misconceptions, I guess. I think one of them is that we feel like we just need to handle stress better mm. when sometimes it's not about building our tolerance to stress. It's actually reducing those demands on us. So actually having maybe a smaller threshold for it because then you're less likely to get down that rabbit hole of burnout and those negative outcomes. So really thinking about, okay, is this is this actually um, something that's achievable? <laughs> and, yeah. you know, is this a job for one person or do we need to delegate this? Do I need to get in more resources um, and tell my boss that, no, 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 I cannot do that task and putting in those boundaries, I feel yeah. like. Um, so that's, I think, one thing that happens. And I think that really ties into our culture of overwork at the moment. Like people are, you know, you've got to grind and you've got to work really hard and you've just got to put in all the hours, but sometimes we don't have any hours left. So I think, yeah, really being aware of that. And again, that takes practice and reflection and those kind of things, but being aware of that. The other one I think comes down to coping strategies. I think we um, engage in coping strategies that aren't necessarily helpful. So thinking again, um, do I feel better when I do this thing? Do I feel, um, do my emotions, are my emotions more positive? Do I finish this and still feel really depleted? Is it not working? Um, and making adjustments for that. So not getting too stuck on um, one approach or one way of doing things. So yeah, having, I guess, th- that variety and really thinking about what's going to be helpful. So we talked about movies and TV shows and stuff like that. So I tend to binge watch TV shows and sometimes that's really restful and it's a good thing for me. And then other times it's not helpful. And I was probably better off spending that time with family and having that social connection instead or um, sleeping or, you know, doing something else. Yeah. Yeah. And how do we maybe like deal with that guilt? For example, if you decide to sit down and binge a bunch of shows, but then you realize that's not actually what you should have been doing. And there's that like guilt that sets in. Yeah. So um, I think that's another tricky one. I feel like one strategy that works for me um, and seems to be good in the literature as well, (laughs) scientifically backed a little bit too, is self-talk. And again, we can pull in some of those um, mindfulness principles, but being just giving yourself some grace and when you hear that those thoughts come up because we we often feel like I think that our thoughts govern us and that they're factual and that they're concrete but they're it's a bit of a two-way dialogue really so if you're feeling very guilty and you you're giving yourself a hard time taking a step back and going okay hang on I talk to my brain like it's a person um but being like hey brain like thank you I know that I that wasn't the best thing to do in that moment but what I'm going to do from here or, you know, giving yourself some kindness or um, grace around that so that you can move forward with it. Yeah, that's really great. And um, I think it's so hard sometimes to like overcome mm-hmm. the, what you're feeling in the moment and actually tell yourself you need to use these strategies or yeah. like do all these different things. Um, and that could be like another thing, like how does someone <laughs> do that, yeah. you know? Um, so yeah, there's a lot of, I think that's, it's a difficult thing to talk about and try to implement as well. Um, but can you share, for example, like three strategies that an individual can, um, use to manage stress caused by like deadlines? Yeah. Yep. So I think with that one, there's sort of like the, the problem focused stuff. So we can, if we've got a deadline, we've got lots of tasks. I'm thinking of uni students here. We've got a a lot of assignments due at once. I would probably approach that with, you know, actually giving yourself time and probably even using a timer to schedule out your activities and try and buffer in a little bit of time there. So I think, again, we tend to over schedule ourselves. So we're like, yeah, we'll work on this for three hours and then give yourself no break and work on something else for three hours. And I think we need to to build in some of that rest on the day, like within the um, your daily tasks. So scheduling time, I think um, using a timer as well while you're completing tasks so you get a really good realistic sense of how long you're spending on a thing Um, because often time gets away from us. So doing that can, again, bring your awareness to it so you're not spending too much time on one thing. Um, Connecting 
any sort of strategy you want to implement to another habit is really helpful. So if you want to start doing mindfulness meditations, for example, and there's already something in your daily routine that you do every single day, just as non-negotiable, you can actually pair those two items together. So it triggers, it gives you a cue to start your mindfulness meditation. So if you know you start your morning with a coffee, maybe when you finish your coffee and you put it down, your empty cup on the table, that's your cue that you're going to just stop and do 10 minutes of mindfulness. And if yeah. you start doing that every day and practice that, um, you will eventually have that as a habit. Yeah, that's really great. Um, and um, you mentioned like uni students would mm-hmm. feel the stress, like a deadline a lot. Based on like as you work as a lecturer, yeah. are there any examples of stress you've seen in like the uni environment and your students, for example? Oh, yeah. So do you mean what causes them stress? Yeah. yeah. So like what examples have you seen and what normally causes them to stress? Yeah. Yeah. I think um, I think uni students often overload themselves because I think when I went to university a little while ago, (laughs) it was definitely your full time job. And that was like your priority. And I feel like with the way the world is now, that balance is shifting a lot. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of my students are doing university full time and they're working either a lot of hours part-time or full-time as well and trying to balance those two things um, plus all of their other commitments can be really overwhelming Um, the way that university is structured as well is that we have you know at my university they do four subjects and while we do try to space out assessments across those subjects they all sort of fall within two weeks of each other yeah so it's very much a practice of being able to prioritize and manage your time well um yeah, so that you don't <laughs> you don't miss deadlines and it yeah it doesn't overwhelm them. But I think that's probably the biggest one is assessment time when they feel the most stressed because it's sort of an extra thing that they have to do on top of attend tutorials and lectures and all the other things that are required of them. Yeah, for sure. And we've talked about like a few different things that cause us to stress, but do you know any other like common stresses that people find in their lives? Like what most what commonly stresses people out? Um, oh, let me think. I think financial stress is a really high one. Marital, like, and relationship conflict is probably pretty high. Work stress is massive. Um, and related to that, the same sort of, um, the same stress we experience at work, university students and school, uh, can be similar to uh, carers as well. So if people are caring for elderly parents or a loved one with an illness of some kind, they can experience the same types of stresses that we see in workplace stress as well. Yeah, for sure. And what are some like quick and easy like stress management productivity hacks that we can use in our daily lives um, to deal with like universal stress or even like the little stresses we yeah. just talked about? Yeah, so I think um, I really like, as I said, act- more active mindfulness strategies because they can be done really quickly. So that grounding one is a good one, but it can be things like actually taking a mindful walk. So going out, um, if you're a walker and not having any music on and actually just trying to, you know, bring your attention to what's happening around you, looking at trees, hearing the birds, hearing people, um, and focusing on your breathing that way. Um, I really like journaling as well and gratitude, practicing gratitude can be really helpful. Um, what's another one? Uh, in terms of more like, again, pragmatic stuff, I like to use the Pomodoro technique when I'm working on a big project or like okay. as a student um, writing my thesis, I do that a lot as well. So essentially you're breaking your time up into 25-minute um, intervals. So you set a timer for 25 minutes and you work as much as you can in that 25 minutes and then you have a five-minute break. And in that break you want to get up and move around. So stretch, get some water, um, don't look at your phone and then go back to working for another 25 minutes. Yeah. And you do that about four times and then you can have a longer rest. So a 30 minute break. And I find that can be really helpful, especially if you're struggling to get started on a task. Um, having that timer and just sort of letting, trying to get rid of that inner critique can get you started and then you sort of get into the flow of things. Yeah, great. And there are a lot of techniques that people can use, a lot of little (laughs) hacks. Do you believe in like trial and error to be able to figure out what's good? I mean, I mean, trial and error can be like a bit um, complicated sometimes because you'll try something, you'll feel like put down by it because it didn't work and then you'll try the next thing and it could be like a pattern of that. So how do you approach that? I think trial and error is almost the only way to do it. I think, yeah, definitely. I feel like one of the good things about um, social media at the moment is you can learn about lots of different techniques that you might not have ever come across before. So, you know, if you see something that you feel gels with you, give it a go and see if it works. And if it doesn't, that's okay. Just try the other thing. Maybe it'll work in a different um, place, like a different type of stress or when you're in a different place. So, yeah, just I think building that toolkit 
is really useful and sort of cycling through those different techniques is going to be okay and one of them should help. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I think social media is really great for that reason because you'll see a bunch of people using those techniques and you could go to the comments section and see all these people talking about how they experienced that, what happened to them. So you never really feel alone in what you're dealing with. So it's really great where to go about things. That's very true. It's really validating. Yeah, Yeah. for sure. Um, So I think now we're just going to go into our practices and habits debrief section. Mm -hmm. We've gotten so many great tips from you already. Um, But in this section, we'll essentially just get to know about how you personally deal with all of this a bit more. Um, And if you have any other like recommendations or just different things that impact how you approach productivity. Mm-hmm. Um, so what we've already talked about your practices, um, but is there something that you do every day to improve your stress management? Uh, not every day, but most days I really um, like to exercise. So I notice a huge difference on my mental health if I don't go to the gym in the morning. Yeah. So I really try to prioritize that most days. Yeah, yeah, beautiful. And um, what are like three good things about this practice, just going to the gym? What are like three things that it does for you? I feel like um, one of them actually is it gives me a chance to practice failure, which sounds a bit weird, <laughs> but I feel like the whole point of, you know, lifting weights and getting stronger is that you do reach um, failure. Like if you fail on yeah. a set, that that's a good thing. So then you can sort of, I feel like it sort of trains you to not view fail failure as this, you know, all or nothing, this is terrible kind of thing. It gives you a different perspective on it, which I really like. Yeah. I actually go to group classes as well. So I've got some friends that go and it's a bit of a social connection thing, which we know as humans, we love social um, connected, connectedness. So that's been really useful um, too. So that's the third thing and then it just like is really nice for your body you feel yeah. really good after and you get endorphins and all of those good things yeah it can definitely relate to all three of those yeah. I think exercise is a really great and simple thing that like a lot of people can do yeah. um are there any challenges for when you do this practice uh yeah probably just getting the time so yeah. I have a, a one-year-old at home so if he's not slept well the night before it's more difficult and that kind of thing um so trying to find that balance but uh yeah that's probably the biggest challenge yeah. And do you find that setting up a certain time to do this helps? Absolutely. Yeah. And I usually, if I can, I'll have a backup time as well. So if I can't go, I usually go early in the morning. So if that doesn't work, I'll try and go before work after I drop him off at daycare. So I have a backup time if that fails. Yeah. yeah. Beautiful. And um, how do you find the time to do all of this? Um, <laughs> yeah, I guess. I just, I'm trying to be disciplined. I get up pretty early. That's probably the secret. I get up at like five in the morning. So yeah. yeah fair enough. Yeah. And do you find that like you can keep up the stamina to do that? Because I feel like if I set myself up to do that every day at the same time, like I would mm-hmm. probably get tired of it. So how do you keep yourself accountable for doing that? I'm pretty gentle on myself since having my baby. I don't um, have expectations that I'll go every day. So I want to try I try and go three times a week and if I manage that then I feel pretty good and then on the weekends I sort of give myself that downtime and I'm trying to practice more work-life balance and um, that kind of thing so yeah just being more gentle with what I can do I think. Yeah that's really great and I liked how you mentioned like being gentle I feel like especially with like stress and productivity like just Mm -hmm. being gentle with yourself is really important yeah Um, and do you think it's important for people to like remember that almost like a bit of a mantra like every day to try and just be like easier on yourself when it comes to this stuff yeah absolutely I think so I really actually like affirmations at the moment too. Yeah. yeah I think they're really helpful yeah to, um I guess yeah remind yourself that of all the good qualities that you have and to think about and again with productivity because we so often forget what we've accomplished and yeah. I listen to a podcast and I hear like um I've been listening to one about women in leadership and they, they do these amazing things and the host reads their accomplishments and they go oh did I really do all of that yeah. and it's like yeah you did so having that's actually another technique you can actually journal down what you've done and then when you're fe- when you're feeling really overwhelmed or really down on yourself look back at everything that you've done all of your achievements yeah and it gives you that little boost of confidence and to remember that you are capable and um these moments of stress don't define you I guess yeah and like on the lines of affirmation what kind of affirmations do you use um or should people try and use I really like um I was doing uh like I am competent I'm capable I have that Mm. um another one I have on I've got a little post-it note uh not perfect just good enough because I'm a bit of a perfectionist and it's led me to all kinds of trouble so just just good enough is fine 
Um, and then me and my son do a little chant every morning about being kind and courageous and oh, creative. <laughs> that's so beautiful. Yeah. I love that. Um, and like, how do you think this sort of impacts your productivity? For example, like doing affirmations. Yeah, I think it gives you, um, well, we know from the positive psychology literature, positive emotions uh, can lead us to better thinking and more creative thinking. It's called the broaden and build theory. So when we're experiencing more positive emotions, we're more open to ideas, we're more creative, um, we can come up with more, more creative solutions and things like that, and we're just better at uh, our thinking is better. So I think because of that, if you can stay in that space, you're more productive because you're able to come to conclusions more quickly and do your work to a better standard and um, not maybe get bogged down in details and stuff like that. So, yeah. Yeah. Great. And for people looking to sort of combine a few different practices, mm -hmm. what would you recommend? So we've talked about like affirmations, we've talked about journaling exercise, so many yep. different things. How would you go about, you know, implementing that trial and error? Yeah. I think starting at a good base, so making sure you're eating well, you're sleeping well, and you're exercising, they're probably your three cornerstones of well-being and it's really helpful. And then once you get there, then you can start practicing um, whatever one sort of jives with you. If you listen to these types of podcasts and you think, oh, yeah, that grounding exercise sounds really cool, I might try that. Just do that for a little while and see mm -hmm. if that helps. Or if you're someone that gets... Um, hyperventilate and when you're stressed out you, your breathing goes don't underestimate the power of breathing and getting that back on track because uh, it works on a our stress response works by um, a biofeedback loop so it's not just that our brain's telling us that we should breathe more shallowly to shallower to get out of a situation <laughs> um it's actually can work the opposite way. So when we deepen our breath, it tells our brain that actually the stress has passed. We're okay. And it starts to reduce all of those um, other physiological responses that are happening in the body. So, yeah, I wouldn't underestimate that. And the good thing about breathing techniques is, as far as I know, the literature sort of says that any of them are good. So you can yeah. just pick which one feels good to you and use that in terms of relaxation. Yeah, great. And do you believe in like um, technology? For example, there's so many different apps like yeah. breathing apps, meditation apps, mindfulness apps. Do you believe in those to help people? Absolutely. I think they're a really cool um Good gadget that we have available. My last few studies actually have been looking at the Smiling Mind app, um, which yeah. we found was useful for university students. So in a couple of those studies, at uh, got we got them to do, we got one of them. They just did ten minutes a day for three days, and that reduced their rumination. Okay. In another one, I think we did a longer intervention over maybe three weeks, and that reduced their depression and anxiety. Um, and what else did it do? Oh, and their overcommitment, which sort of ties into productivity and stress management as well. So overcommitment is when it's kind of like a personal coping strategy where, where you're in a very stressful situation at work or at uni, instead of acknowledging that you sort of double down on it. So yeah. you go, okay, I just need to do more. I'm just stressed because I'm not doing enough. So I'm going to just keep doing more and more and more and more. Yeah. And those people also sort of um, tend to need the esteem from others. So they need that that reassurance from their boss or their supervisor or their teachers to be like, yep, you're doing a really great job. That was awesome. A plus work. Yeah. Um, so mindfulness, those little apps can help to well, – those shorter app-based um, mindfulness programs can help to reduce that tendency to overcommit, which is really helpful because we know that that's linked to poor health and things like that as well. Yeah, amazing. I'm so glad that we've given people so many different things that they can try now. <laughs> I feel like sometimes it's hard because you're bombarded with all these different things that you can do to yeah. manage stress, mindfulness, productivity, but it's great to have a little combination of things you can use and know yeah. that like technology is your friend in yeah. situations like this. Um, so now I think we'll move into our open mic section. Mm -hmm. So this is really just a chance for our guests to talk about anything that they're passionate about. So you could even take a breather from talking about um, your profession, yeah. dive into any topic in life that you'd like um so I'll hand it over to you now what would you like to talk about um oh it's so hard <laughs> I guess uh probably as I, I said we had a chat at the start but um parenting is obviously very front of mind at the moment because I'm a new mom and trying to really does still tie into this trying to find that work-life balance and adjust back into working while you have a kid at home is yeah it's definitely a journey but it's been a good one yeah, yeah. what's been like the hardest thing about becoming a mom Oh, good question. I guess. Um, I feel like everyone always says like it's a lack of sleep. That has been challenging. My son's not a very good sleeper, but I think actually it's been um, 
readjusting my expectations because you sort of get into like a groovy with your kid and you're like, yeah, no, I've got this worked out. And then they do so they go through a leap or like a developmental um, milestone and it all changes. So you've got to readjust your expectations constantly. Um, yeah. So I found that just being aware of when I'm, yeah, when I've got too much expectation, I tend to have a worse day. So I try yeah. and just take it as it comes. Yeah. Yeah. That's really great. And um, I really want to ask if there's any like parenting myths that you can like, um talk about it all or demyth if that's yeah oh i don't know is there something that people think is true about parenting but you've actually discovered is maybe easier than you thought um actually yeah one of them is that like that your life is going to be over <laughs> like yeah. you know what i mean like that your yeah. old life like you can't possibly um do the things that you used to do, I guess, or that you're not going to be able to socialize. And I de definitely want to have a caveat that this probably depends on the temperament of your child because my son's pretty good and he's very easygoing. So yeah. we've found like coming here um, to Melbourne has been fine. Me and my husband were both like, oh, I wonder how he's going to go. But he was yeah. perfectly fine on the drive. He's loving it. He's been happy and laughing the whole time. So Aww, I know, yeah, I'm confident that we can still go out for restaurants and do things that we used to do we'll yeah. just have him now and get to share that experience yeah it's so great having like an easy baby not that yeah. I have any experience to talk <laughs> yeah. about this but it sounds really great yeah um so I think we will go into some questions from the audience mm -hmm. um I skipped over those before but coming back to those ones um we've got a couple from our audience um and a couple I've chucked in because I'm I'm curious now um <laughs> yeah. so our first one is does stress lead to medical problems? Do you think that is what causes medical issues or more serious mental health issues? I don't want to say causes, but it's definitely related. So we know yeah. that stress is linked to uh, so many, yeah. <laughs> so many physical health ones, problems that you wouldn't even think of, but it's related to things like the obvious ones like cardiovascular health, um, immune immunity, so colds, it's why when people finish exam times or a really stressful project, you're sick afterwards. That's probably yeah. another indication that you've experienced bad stress if you get sick um, following a big project completion. Yeah. Um, but it's also linked to things like uh, gastrointestinal issues, uh, cancer, diabetes. It's yeah. So it's linked to a lot of physical health problems. And wow. we also know in terms of mental illness that you have a bit of a genetic and biological predisposition to a lot of them, but you might go through your whole life not experiencing symptoms and it might just take a big stressor or a lot of little stresses that it fills your bucket and you end up presenting with symptoms and um, like it's, it's sort of the onset of that disorder. So, yeah, it's definitely linked to both of those. Yeah, and like on the line of like symptoms, what are like the most common symptoms caused by stress? Um... So caused by, I feel like that's probably leads straight to burnout um, and those depletion type things. But then obviously if it's sort of onsetting a mental illness, that will depend on the mental illness that you're predisposed to. Okay. And um, for someone who's experiencing stress, for example, you can see some of those symptoms in people. What can you do as like a third party um, looking in on someone going through that? Um, I think you can encourage them to, to rest <laughs> and also... Yeah. Um, if you're in a position to maybe offload some of the demands on their time or the whatever is causing them stress, maybe it's going to, they're trying to do it on their own when it's really a two-person job or something like that. So if you can offload, if you can't directly offload of um, what's happening, I'm sort of thinking about a work a workplace stressor now. So if, you you know, your partner's going through a really hectic time at work, it's super busy, is there stuff that you can do outside of that to support them? So can you take on more of the household chores? Can you cook them dinner? Is there one thing that you can take off their plate so they don't have to think about it? Yeah. Um, and then just being a venting board. I think a lot of mm. us are verbal processes and we need to, to be able to sound out some of this stuff. So being someone that they can just sort of unload and vent to. Yeah, that's really great. And I think it's being as much as it is about the stress you go through, like people around you go through stress as well. Yeah. So being able to be perceptive to yeah. that's important. Yeah. Um, and I really like this one. Um, what do you think or is there like a difference between stress and anxiety? Yes. Yeah. So there yeah. is. Yeah. Oh, I should have checked this. Um, there is. <laughs> so I could try and explain it properly. Um, I would say that anxiety 
is a mood state. And if we're thinking about anxiety in sort of the clinical definition, it's a disorder. So it comes with a bunch of symptoms. So anxiety is separate to stress. They're probably differently related, but um, they are separate concepts, if you will. Yeah. And yeah. Um, anxiety, as I said before, is often future forward. So it's about um, overthinking and catastrophizing what's going to happen. Yeah. Stress, I feel like, is a little bit more present moment. Uh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. And um, do you think that, like, this is one of my questions. Yeah. Um, do you think there's like a difference between the way introverts and extroverts experience stress? I think maybe introverts could potentially internalize it a bit more um, than extroverts. I'm not too sure if there's a link between that, but mm-hmm. something that I'm pretty curious about. That's a really good question. I don't know the research on it, but so I'll just go with gut feeling. Yeah. <laughs> go for it. I would think that, yes, I would say. On face value, I'd feel like I agree with you that introverts probably internalize a lot more than extroverts do. Mm. I also think because um, introvertness is around energy and where we get our energy from, I think potentially extroverts are a little bit protected because they get their energy from other people. So if they're more likely to have those social connections and engage in social settings, that might be um, serving them well in terms of reducing their stress. Yeah. Uh, Whereas introverts need to be they need to have that downtime um, yeah. alone, so which isn't a bad thing. But, yeah, maybe they need to look at other strategies potentially um, to build that resilience up a little bit. Yeah, and do you, like, believe in identifying, like, oh, I'm an introvert, I should do this, or I'm an extrovert, I should do that? Do you believe in that sort of thing? Um, I mean, if it's helpful for the person, sure. I think, uh, yeah, I think it's good to know where you what's depleting you, I think, yeah. yeah, and what is that source of stress for you. So if you, um, yeah, if you love hanging out with people and being around people all the time, then do that. And then if yeah. you need, if you know you need that downtime, don't overextend yourself and then try and, again, factor that into your life and make it a permanent part of your day routine even to have that alone time and that downtime. Yeah. yeah, for sure. I feel like I'm going on a total tangent now. Like most of these are not my questions. Um, but another one we have is, do we think that we have any control over stress in our life? Like someone, I think we've got a question that asks, how do I rid myself of stress? So yeah, yeah that's a hard a, one. It is a hard one. It's a good question. I don't think we can rid ourselves of it. I don't yeah. think we can. I think we can. I think we do have control and having control over stuff actually is helpful um, towards stress. So I think we can, it takes, again, it takes time and it takes reflection, but really thinking about, okay, where are my limits with this? What are my boundaries? Um, am I able to say no to this? And really thinking about it. I have a coworker who never says yes to anything you ask her unless she asks a question first. So <laughs> to build in buffer, cause she was over, overextending herself. So this way yeah. she, you know, if you email her and like, Hey, can you do this thing? She'll be like, ah, oh, possibly. And asks you a question okay. and it just builds in a little bit of time for her to actually look at her schedule and actually yeah. weigh up. Okay. Is this valuable to me? Do I need to be the person that does this? And can I fit this in? Yeah. And then that way she can um, come back with a, a proper response instead of overloading herself. So yeah, having those clear boundaries and those systems set up is going to be really helpful. Yeah. Beautiful. And I think that's really great to be aware of the fact that stress is just really normal in our lives mm-hmm. and we can't necessarily get rid of it and um, it's not going to go away. Yeah. But we have a bunch of things we can use to be more aware of how we personally manage stress as well. Yeah. So that's really great. And that brings us to the end of today's recording. Um, thank you so much for answering all these questions about stress management. And I think it's such a universal thing and I'm hoping our listeners have found little nuggets that they can use in yeah, their own absolutely. lives. Um, and yeah, thank you again for coming on and for those who want to find out more about you um, and what you do where can mm-hmm. they go uh so i'm on linkedin and also just probably the easiest place is lilytrobe website there's a, a profile section which has all of my information and my publications uh we also have an aubrey wodonga psychology research team facebook page which i'm starting to post to again <laughs> so that Beautiful. would be another place you could go to great yeah. um and don't worry we also have rachel's details in the description below thank you again it's been such a pleasure having you here and in the studio and to our listeners don't forget to like subscribe on whatever platforms you're using and i'll see you guys next time you've been listening to work in progress the personal productivity science insights podcast produced by life management science labs listen to episodes from lmsl's 10 life management perspectives on apple podcasts google podcasts spotify youtube or other podcasting apps on your smartphone 
If you enjoyed this show, please consider rating our show, sharing it and subscribing to our channel as it helps other people find it and us grow to bring you more quality resources. More of our work can be found on our website, pp.lmsl.net, where you can join our movement. I'm Joanna. Thanks for tuning in.